What is going on? And welcome to the Cup of Mets podcast, episode 19, season two. I'm Ian Bosniak. I believe Rob is currently at the 50 Cent concert. We'll have to confirm that. Um, either way, we're here for episode 19. Remember to give us a follow on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, and on TikTok. We are at Cup of Mets. In addition, be sure to rate and subscribe to our podcasts, uh, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're just going to dive right into this one. It hasn't been pretty since the last time we spoke. Um, obviously, it was a different type of episode. We spoke with Todd Zeal, who came on episode 18, and gave us some perspective as to um, you know some of the deals that the Mets made uh, during the trade deadline, as well as how competitive he sees them being um, in terms of next year. So we really didn't get to touch upon... Um, you know, Rob and mine, you know, our stances on a lot of the stuff that's happened, but we don't really need to go there. I've, I've made clear in the past that I didn't want Verlander Dell. With that said, I really think that Billy Epler did a really, really nice job and I'll let Rob speak for himself um, next week. But I think that we both can agree that the Mets look better today than they did, you know, two weeks ago, despite the fact that they're 51 and 62 and have a one and a half percent chance of making the postseason at this point. They already have more losses this year than they did all of last year. So, um, you know, not lovely. We were swept by the Royals, swept by the Orioles, um, came home, put a whopping on the Cubs who have been surging, um, took an 11-2 victory home and then fell last night. And then tonight, David Peterson will take on um, Kyle Hendricks and you will be listening to this way after the game concludes. So, Whatever happens, whatever is whatever happens, you know, you're not necessarily here to talk about, you know, what's going on currently in terms of the present Mets at this rate. You know, we're 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 kind of looking forward towards 2024 and beyond and, you know, kind of thinking about the winter already. And that kind of brings us into the first topic, which is Pete Alonzo. We asked Todd what he thought about the Pete Alonzo trade rumors and everything that was being rumbled about leading up until the deadline up until midday. Apparently he was on the um, trading block and team, many teams inquired, but the price tag was extremely, extremely high and, and rightfully so. Um, I know that I've brought this up a lot in the past um, regarding Pete Alonzo at that point, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander um, were Mets. Um, so it was a little bit of a different looking team Um just a few reasons, you know, why it may make sense. And, um, you know, he's currently posted a 201 um, batting average with balls put in play this season, which is really down from his career norms. He's also, as Todd pointed out last week, he's shied away from being that Aaron Judge type, the guy that can hit 265, 270, even though Judge is a much more... Um, you know, better hitter than that in terms of hitting 285 and above. We have to take into consideration that Alonzo's hitting 226 on the season. I like looking at the batting average and balls put in play. Um, you know, so he's at 201 there. And that is a far cry from what it should be um, if you're going to pay somebody the type of money that Pete Alonzo is going to be paid. Um, another thing is that there are suitable replacements and again not generational bats by any means necessary but there are bats on the open market that could give the Mets what Pete Alonso 
currently does. I don't have the upcoming free agent list in front of me here like I did last week, but there are some names and one name in particular that, again, he's not going to give you that 900 OPS. He's also not going to hit 45 home runs, but a guy that can hit you 30 home runs, and that is a free agent is CJ Crone, somebody like that. So again, there are replacements. So the Mets can go ahead and deal with Alonzo and get a haul and still be competitive. Another thing is he's walking a lot less and he's hitting at a, a much less hard hit uh, percentage rate. Um, he As you know, today, August uh, 9th, he's currently um, in the 56th percentile when it comes to a uh, hard hit percentage. And that is down from uh, his 2022 mark of 75. Uh, he was in the 75th percentile at that point. Um, in addition to all that, he's walking much less. Um, last year in the 70th percentile, this year in the 52nd percentile, and you see it a lot. There's a lot more swing and misses, um, a lot more, hey, it's the it's the home run or it's the highway type, type deal. He's been swinging for the fences. You've been seeing him down on one knee on some follow-throughs. With all that being said, you know, he definitely has played better over the last several games. There's no question about it. He's gotten back into that form uh, over his last 15. He's hitting 310 with eight home runs and 22 RBIs um, and has only struck out 11 times. But within that span and within those 15 games, as a big bopper like Pete, he's only been walked three times. Um, he also does have a 369 on base percentage in that in that time and that's something that's been down as well this year. He's got a 317 on base percentage, a far cry from his career of 343. So those are just two things. Um, you know, to me, I look a lot at batting average and balls put in play, as I mentioned, as well as on base percentage. Those are my two um, bread and butter points. Everything else will fall into play, obviously. Um, you know, Pete would probably say that he hasn't had the season that he's wanted to. However, all things considering, I'm not team trade him and again I know that I've brought it up but the Mets should not deal Pete Alonso and I think that they would be basing it off of the fact that he's got one more year left of team control they can totally maximize their value on him this winter he's a generational bat in terms of power he's going to hit you 45 home runs a year plus you don't get that from a guy like I just mentioned in, in CJ Crone year in and year out. And again, it's not like Crone would be a long-term solution by any means, but Alonzo is somebody that you know that you're going to get that four hitter, the 40 to 45 plus home runs. You're going to get those hundred RBIs. And hopefully this, this season is just a little outlier. And he really is, you know, a, a three fifty on base percentage guy, like we've seen him be in the past. And to me, that's what I want in my big bopper, somebody that's going to get on base, create opportunities for other guys behind him, as well as be able to drive those in in front of him. And I think that's why, you know, a guy like Pete Alonso should be retained long term. At 28 years old, he'll be 29 next year. What type of contract can we expect? It was... um you know, Billy Epler said that he was going to sit down with Pete Alonso's agent and discuss, um, you know, the parameters of a potential deal within the coming weeks. And then obviously into the winter, if not, they may look to, to move him with that said, a deal that I want to bring up is seven years, $28 million per $196 million total. And you can include an option on that. 
you know, for another $28 million. So it'll come out to eight years at $224 million. Okay. Freddie Freeman, who I think is a better first baseman than Pete Alonso. And I think many would agree. He signed his deal at age 32 and he got a six year deal worth $162 million, giving him a $27 million average annual value. I think that Pete Alonso should be made the highest paid uh, first baseman in the league. And I think that's what he's going to gun for. Again, seven years at 28 million per with an option for an eighth year. That brings him to his age 35, 36 season or 36 and 37 season, um, respectfully. And again, you have the guys locked down for the next several years. And I, I believe that the Mets only have a shade over $120 million committed beyond 2024. And that is in the likes of Lindor and Senga and Diaz and McNeil, right? And Marte. Um, so to me, again, all the talk about Alonzo, we're now a little over a week since the trade deadline, but we'll still bring it up. There's no trading Pete Alonzo around these parts, even though I've made a case for it tonight and in the past. And there's no reason to trade him. So this week, Brett Beatty was sent down. That was a pretty big development. He was hitting 216 out of 289 on base percentage, only had seven home runs and 278 at bats. He looked lost at the plate. He couldn't get the ball in the air whatsoever. He was striking out at a high clip. You know, I, I think that there's a case to be made that he shouldn't have been demoted here on August 9th when the team is 11 games under 500. You know that the postseason isn't going to happen and you just want to let the kid get his reps in. With that being said, I think that it goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, the Mets may be shielding Brett Beatty from having it affect him mentally and more so just go back to Syracuse, you know, play your game and get after it. But, and to be honest with you, I'm in a difficult spot here in terms of what I agree with, whether it's the right time to send him down now with only, a, you know, a, a month and a half to go, or if you just keep him up here in the bigs. I think that there's definitely a case to be made that the Mets made the right move this season. He's hit the ball hard. Okay. Stat cast wise 63rd percentile when it comes to his average exit velocity, his max exit as exit velocity is within the 89th percentile and he's within the 69th percentile within hard hit percentage, everything else you're looking in the teens and I'm talking important statistics. Expecting batting average, you're in the 20th percentile. Expecting slugging percentage, you're within the 21st percentile. Uh, strikeout percentage, he's within the 18th percentile. Whiff percentage, he's within the 18th percentile. And defensively, defensively, he is within the 6th percentile when it comes to outs above average. Okay? So not only is he struggling at the dish, but he has turned into one of the worst third basemen in the league. And we've seen it on display. We've seen him make awkward throws. We've seen him juggle the ball. We've seen him not make easy plays that quite frankly, he should. And I think that at this point in the year, yes, it's an interesting time to send him down because there really is. I mean, now Vientos is going to play third and I'll touch upon that in a second. Um, but there aren't, many options that are going to be playing third for the Mets as of right now. They have the likes of Jonathan Rose, who has come to the Mets since the last time we've spoken. Um, 
Danny Mendek, he started at third the other night. That's something else I'll touch upon, right? But Brett Beatty was demoted, and um, quite frankly, I'm okay with it. Yes, awkward timing, but hopefully he comes back up for the beginning of September or towards the end of August and can get, you know, a hundred more plate appearances in end the season with a shade under 400, you know, ABs this year, call it a season and, um, you know, kind of gear up for next year. Now I mentioned some names at the big league level that are currently assuming third base duties for the Mets. With that said, amongst the news, um, you know, when Beatty was demoted, obviously there was an uproar within the Met fandom that Ronnie Mauricio was not called up. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but Ronnie Mauricio will be called up on August 20th. Um, I believe that gives him an extra, uh, gives the Mets an extra full year of service time. Um, and he will be called upon on August 20th. That is my belief. And that is what I have um, heard. But that's not even the biggest thing. The biggest thing is Brett Beatty's demoted. And there was a report the other night from Hector Gomez who said that Ronnie Mauricio will begin playing third base and Brett Beatty will shift elsewhere. Interesting. Interesting. Ronnie Mauricio, we know that he's a flexible player. He can play a little bit of outfield. Obviously, the left field experiment has been shoddy, hence why they're moving him back into the infield. He's been playing some second base, but now the Mets have Luis Angel Acuna down in the minors as well, and they also have Jet Williams. Third base is an open slot, A, if he can field, but B, if Brett Beatty continues to struggle. And that's why I think it was important for the Mets to send Beatty down at this point. Um, It's just interesting that Mauricio is going to be playing third base. So if Beatty's going to go out to left fielder, perhaps within this, Beatty is going to go over to first base and get some reps at first base. You never know. If Pete Alonso's on the trade block this winter, Brett Beatty's like a Mark Vientos. He's not as poor at, you know, in the field as Vientos, but he could play first, he could play third. Um, and you really don't know. But as far as how Mauricio playing third base now impacts Brett Beatty's future. I mean, it kind of clouds it a little bit. Again, we haven't heard exactly where, uh, where Beatty's going to wind up playing on a permanent basis, whether it's going to be first, whether it's going to be in the outfield, whether it's going to be a designated hitter, not quite sure yet. Um, But it definitely makes things interesting. Um, regarding Mauricio, I mean, if he could play third base, you know, with that bat, it'll play, you know, a switch hitting bopper that can play third base. That would be excellent for the Mets. Again, obviously we want to all see Beatty succeed, but if Ronnie Mauricio can really, you know, wind up, if he can wind up picking it over at third base, then the Mets have a third baseman. I know that they have an abundance of infielders prospect wise, but that's why you know, they can utilize those in trades as well. Um, And I also wonder if the Mets wanted to send Brett Beatty down now so it doesn't continue to maybe tank his stock a little bit as far as potential trade chips go. You never know who's a trade chip. Brett Beatty definitely could be a trade chip um, this coming winter. Um, You know, if I was in the Mets position, what I, I would have had him play third base 
you know, when Beatty went, came up to the majors, I would have had him, you know, play there a, a game or two a week just so that he can get his feet wet. Um, but it's obviously it's frustrating fans. And I, you know, from what I know, the August 20th thing is a real deal and hopefully he'll be up after that. Um, but we're seeing the likes of now Abraham Almonte up and Rafael Ortega as terms of outfielders um, and no Ronnie Mauricio. So, A, I wonder if that spells the end of his outfield experiment. B, you know, you wonder if the August 20th thing plays into the Mets thinking in terms of when he gets called up. And then the third thing is that there are reports that he's grown disgruntled in AAA. And to be honest, rightfully so. He's raked at every level. He's done everything that the Mets have asked him to do. And there's still no call up. All of his buddies are in the majors. Again, that gives no one any grounds to be, you know, bitching and moaning to their bosses. If their buddies are elsewhere, you got to play your way up. But he's definitely deserved. He's definitely played his way up. He went through a cold stretch um, at one point. But again, you're human. Who doesn't? So, you know, as a fan, yeah, sure, I'm frustrated that on August 9th, I'm watching, you know, quadruple A players opposed to my prospects when the team's out of it. But hopefully August 20th is the date. And it would be quite interesting if he could play third base because that makes things interesting over there at, at third between him and Beatty. So tonight we have a lineup that consists of Mark Vientos at third base. With that said, he's still not playing third base every day since Beatty was demoted. And although Beatty was demoted two days ago, Danny Mendick got the start um, in the opener against the Cubs. He did hit a home run, his first as a Met. So, you know, bravo, Danny Mendick. Um, Mendick is a guy that's under contract um, through next season. And I think that he's could be a relevant bench piece. With that said, there's no reason why he should be starting at third base when your third baseman of the future, quote-unquote, Beatty, gets sent down and you have another one of your top prospects in Mark Fientos who can play third, who can play first, but is primarily a DH. If you want to experiment and if you want to see if these kids can actually play defensively, this is the time to do it. And again, as I mentioned before, I agree with sending Brett Beatty down despite the awkward timing. But Mark Vantos needs to be at the hot corner every single day until either A, Beatty's up, or B, Ronnie Mauricio is up and playing third base. We have to see if Mark Vientos can field because A, if Mauricio and Beatty don't work out at third, who knows? Vientos could actually work out. Again, he's never gotten good fielding grades, but that doesn't mean that he can't improve. Look at Pete Alonso. Didn't get good fielding grades at all. He made it a mission to make himself the best first baseman he could, and look at him now. A really, really competent first baseman defensively. So Mark Vientos, while long-term, he may be a designated hitter if his bat continues to play, and he hits the ball hard, man. He really does. Swings and misses quite a bit. Um, I would definitely like to see more bat-to-ball contact. Um with that said, again, we got to see him at third base. And I'm, I can keep going for a while. 
but I mean, obviously I'm wondering if it's Billy Epler or if it's Buck Showalter, who's making those lineup cards that's still on, you know, as I said, August 7th, the opener against the Cubs the day after um, Beatty is demoted. Vientos is designated hitting. You got to see if the guy can play third base. We got to see if any of these guys can play third base. And now they're seeing if Mauricio can play third base because none of them are superior at the position. So that's something that the Mets need to work on. And I'm happy that Mark Vientos is starting at the hot corner tonight. Getting to the beautiful post-Verlander-Scherzer rotation, uh, just touching upon that for a moment, I want to focus in on David Peterson, who has rejoined the rotation and has really flourished um, since being put into the bullpen, but also since the trades of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Um, over his last seven games, one of which he has started, he's thrown to a 164 ERA um, in 11 innings, nine strikeouts. Again, most of that came out of the bullpen, but we're seeing his arm action speed up again. Um, and he looks confident in doing it. Um, his slider is, and he really looks confident in doing it. His slider looks tremendous. Um, the whiff rate within the 64th percentile barrel percentage, he's not allowing hitters to barrel up the ball. He's kept them. He's within the 68th percentile. Everything else is, you know, on the lower end, he's still giving up hard hits. He's still walking guys. Um, but he is getting the swing and misses and that has resulted in him being within the 53rd percentile within, um, you know, strikeout percentage. He's got 69 strikeouts and 65 and a third of an inning, um, despite his 565 earn run average. Okay. And everyone knows me. I'm not a earn run average guy. I'm more of a FIP guy. And when you look at his FIP, okay, David Peterson, 565 ERA. His FIP is 437, and his expected FIP is 363. Okay. All year long, again, he's had some really, really rough outings, and it's when he slows down his arm action. But when he speeds it up and when he is on, he gets hitters to swing and miss. He induces the the ground balls. And to me, I think going down, or going up, I should say, to Syracuse for David Peterson probably really did him wonders. And then coming back to a less star-studded duo, he's really looked like he's coming to his own. And again, I've been, I've been saying all year long that despite the rough outings, he has not pitched as bad as some of his numbers suggest. And that expected FIP of 363 is lower than Kodai Sanga's. Granted, Sanga has started 21 games and Peterson has started just 12. He also nearly has... 60 more innings under his belt than Peterson Sanga does. But David Peterson looks like he's coming into his own, and I'm really excited to see how he attacks this Cubs lineup tonight. Um, you know, they have a good mixture of right-handed and left-handed hitters. And again, they're hot. Um, they're in the midst of the wild card race. So it's definitely going to be fun to see tonight. And hopefully Peterson can relay this, um, you know, into another quality start and give the Mets another sign to look at for 2024 because I haven't mentioned this, but Jose Quintana's looked very good thus far. He's pitched to the tune of a 342 ERA, but again, not an ERA guy. 281 FIP, 
a 281 FIP, and in just four starts, he's posted 0.7 war. I like what I see from Jose Quintana. He's been keeping the ball on the ground. The strikeouts are down. He doesn't strike guys out, and he hasn't been walking guys either. I really like what I see from Quintana, and again, he's on a cheap deal for next year. He's owed $13 million next year. It's a good sign to see, and I really hope that we can see it continue the rest of the year because, as everyone knows, if you've been listening to this podcast, I was a big don't sign Jose Quintana guy just based on the fact that outside of last year, he hadn't had a really solid season since 2018. Um, but it looks like he still, it looks like he still has it. And if he can continue pitching the way that he has through these four starts, the rest of the way, that gives the Mets a another good thing to look forward to, along with Peterson and along with Kodai Sanga, who has just turned into a stud and all of a sudden has the third lowest ERA in the National League. So as we wrap up episode 19 here on August 9th, uh, I just want to give a quick reminder to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. We are at Cup of Mets. In addition, be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rob will be back next week unless he has another 50 cent concert or maybe G units back. I don't know. With that being said, free and Bosniak. Let's go Mets. Take care guys. Good night.